Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcast. Well, good morning. How are y'all doing today? Hey, you are just like, you're awake today, aren't you? I can tell. It's like, this is going to be a good service. Hey, uh, my name is Mike. I'm the lead pastor here at the Church of Rocky Peak. I want to welcome you if this is your very first time. And not only want to welcome you, but I want to invite you to my house. So like, not today, but... Uh, about actually a week from now, next uh, Sunday night, or next, next Saturday night rather, at 7.30, about once a month we do this for, uh, for newcomers, it's called the Next Step Dessert. It's just our time to get together, meet with you, uh, you uh, my wife and I, some other maybe leaders from the church, and uh, it's just a very casual, informal time. We get to know a little bit of your story, a little bit of our story, what God's doing here at the church, how to get plugged in, and so if you would like to come, we would love to have you, and so you, the way you can do that is just sign up online at the Next Step uh, for a Next Step dessert uh, at our website, or you can write Next Step on your Connect card and sell your program today, and then that, and that'll work as well, okay? Also, i uh, remind you, you've got this new uh, ministry starting for young married, so it's the, the information is in your, your program, but they have a barbecue this Wednesday night, and so I encourage you to follow up on that if you're, you're interested. Now, we're going to be going into our time of uh, teaching, you know, later on in this service, is a big day for us as a church, as we're going to be making our kind of freedom gifts and commitments and so on, but we're going to have a regular time of teaching to prepare us for that. And uh, inside your program, if you're new, you want to be sure to pick up on this. There's a white message note sheet that we will use every week for a time of teaching. And so uh, having said that, I think I'm ready ready to go. Y'all ready to go? Okay, let's jump in. Father, thank you so much for what you're doing at our church, the way you're waking us up, calling us on. It it truly is a, a time, a month of awakening for us. God, we sense your spirit moving. The stories are coming in. God, we've been presenting ourselves to you, asking you to lead us and guide us. We believe you've done that. And today, we'll, we'll be coming, Lord, to make, to make our gifts, to make our commitments, and to seek you. And God, as we go in this time of teaching, we take this next step on the, on the journey of generosity and what it means to be a passionate Christ follower in this area of our life. We pray that you'd speak and that we would listen and, and that we'd hear what you have to say and that we would be changed as a result. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, our story starts today, it's, it's about 700 years before the time of Christ. So let's kind of rewind the clock, and, and it's a very dark time in Israel's history. The last 16 years, they've had a king on the throne who is, is very anti-God. He's been uh, pushing, promoting uh, idolatry in the country, and so he, he shut down the, Jeru- the big temple in Jerusalem, put padlocks on the door, you can't go in. For the last 15 years, he's, he's been kind of pushing uh, this kind of a, agenda of idolatry. He's dismissed the priests. He's dismissed the Levites, uh, the tithes that have come in to support the spiritual life of the nation. I mean, I've been taken 16 years. And so it's a time of spiritual darkness in the land. And uh, at the start of our story, he has just died. And his son, who's only 25 years old, and you know, sometimes you think, hey, I'm going to be, I'm going to wait till I'm older in life to make an impact for God. For those of you who are in your teenage years, your 20s, I mean, now, now is the time. I mean, now is the time to be making your impact. You're, you're, you're laying the foundation for the rest of your life and being a passionate Christ follower. And it's, it's, it's time. And so that's his story. We don't know how God got a hold of his heart, but he's an amazing guy. And when he rises to the throne at age 25, uh, God has touched him, and he, he has a vision to unleash a new movement in the nation to bring the whole nation back to God. And so the first thing he does is right away he takes office. First thing he does is he, uh, he, he opens up the, the, the temple that's been locked down for years. He, he orders a repairman in. They refurbish the whole temple. And by the second month of his reign, he calls, puts a call out to all, the whole nation, and uh, he says, we're going to celebrate the Passover. Like, we haven't celebrated the Passover probably in their, most of their lifetimes. And he says it's time to celebrate the Passover, celebrate what God's done. And so he invites the whole nation to come the second month. And so they, they show up, and man, God is on the move. And he is waking them up. He's calling them on. They're surrendering to God. They're, they're, they're connecting with God again. The nation is coming alive spiritually. Uh, they're having such an incredible time that, you know, the Passover is basically a week-long feast. They're having such a great time, they, they decide to extend it another week. And so they all stay in Jerusalem to stay another week of kind of kind of party on with the Lord. You're just kind of seeking God together. And, and so at the end of that two weeks, they're going to go home and they're, and they're going to begin to purge the land of their idols. They're so fired up. They're going to go home and they're going to kind of get rid of their idols. They're, they're, they're pursuing God again. Well, at this kind of uh, Passover time, uh, 
that one of the things the young king does is he realizes to, that, that this is going to be a movement that's going to last. These people are going to have to fund it. I mean, like in, in the Old Testament, the God had called the nation to, to bring their tithes, their offerings to the Lord. This is how you fund the spiritual life of the nation. And of course, they hadn't done that in 15, 16 years. And so now he is, it's time for him to challenge him. If you're going to pursue God, it's time to step up to the plate. And so, so the challenge goes out to the people. Will you follow? Bring in the tithes. Bring in the offerings to fund the movement movement. And of course the question is, how will the people respond to his challenge? Well today we're, uh, we're going to continue this series that we've been in for what now, the last three or, three or four weeks, last three weeks. Um, it, it's a series called The Journey of Generosity. And for those of you who are brand new, I want to welcome you. We're so glad you're here. We're just praying that God will be bringing us people that, that want to know him and follow him. And so if you're here, we're glad that you're here with us today. I want to just give you a quick uh, snapshot of where we've been in this series. Uh, about three or four weeks ago, we, we suddenly faced a major financial crisis as a congregation. It's one totally unforeseen. I'm not going to go into details on that because you, you can go online and hear the first message of the series, kind of, kind of catch up with that. But, but from the very beginning, I think we've sensed to the church that God is in this, that, that like Israel got led into the wilderness uh, and times of crisis, and yet it's there that God met them and they came to know him, that, that God has allowed us to go in this time of crisis and he's gonna meet us in a new way. And that as a church, we are gonna learn what it means to follow Jesus in the story of generosity and we're gonna grow. And it's, it's gonna change us, not only now, but for our future. It's gonna pave the way to unleash this movement of passionate Christ followers. And so if you've been with us in this series, you know that our main text has been in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, where the Apostle Paul is writing to these new Christians at Corinth. They've only been Christ followers about three or four years. And he says, you know, I think the time has come for you to grow in this area of generosity. And he shares with them this particular project that God had put in his heart to collect money from all his Gentile churches to send to the poor Jewish church in Jerusalem who are struggling. And so he shares his story with them, and he calls them to, to be a part of this project. And, and so in chapter 8 and chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians, he gives some of the best teaching in all the Bible, what it means to be a follower of Jesus in the area of generosity and how we grow in that area. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to continue on there today. There's a section in your note sheet uh, called the Journey of Generosity, uh, or called Journey of the Hilarious, Generosity of the Hilarious Giver. And we're going to be looking at just uh, one verse today as our main text, which is uh, historic in, of, in and of itself. So uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and, uh, and verse 7. Let me set this up. Uh, let's, let's kind of step back and remind ourselves where, where we've been in this series in chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians. I want to set up the context. So remember, the, the passage starts off by Paul talking to them about the special offering. And he talks to them about how, how generosity is a supernatural work of God in our life. He says that if we're going to grow and we're going to become like Jesus, who's like the ultimate model of the ultimate giver. He, he was the one who was rich, but he became poor so that we through his poverty might be right. If we're going to become like Jesus, if we're serious about being Christ's followers and becoming like Jesus, he says if that happens in our life, it's going to happen as a supernatural work of God. In other words, it's not up to us to become generous people. God's got an agenda. He'll lead the process. We just need to be responsive to his leading. If we will simply follow where he leads, he will turn us into people like his son, and we will grow in this area. Then the second thing that he told us, he said, you know, when it comes to giving, that true giving is always a two-step process. Whether it's giving to the poor, giving to your church, giving whatever. It's always a two-step process. So the first step is you give yourself to the Lord. That all I am, all I have, Jesus, belongs to you. Now would you direct me? And so the first step is we give ourselves to God. Second step is we give as he leads us. And then, of course, as we went through the, these chapters, he, he then begins to teach me. He says, I know this is hard for some of you. It's hard to really trust God in this area of finances. But I promise you, if you will trust, if you will be generous, if you'll follow his leading in your life, that God will bless you. He'll bless you financially. He'll provide for you. And he'll bless you so you can continue to grow in generosity. Okay? So that's where we've been in these chapters. And now we come today. We're coming towards the end of this chapter, and there's this one particular verse. This is a verse that when I was a kid, I loved to hate. So here we go, because my folks used to always quote it to me when I didn't want to share with my sisters or give something. And so then I'd feel not only like I was supposed to do it, which I didn't want to do, but I was supposed to like it. And so, um, 
So here we go. Uh, he said, verse, verse 7, he says, each man should give. Now remember, he's, he's been collecting this offering for them or kind of preparing them for this offering for like a year. And so, so way back at the beginning, they made some decisions, some commitments about what they felt God was putting on their heart to give. And so he's coming back. He says, let each man uh, give what he has decided in his heart to give, what God's put in his heart, uh, not reluctantly or under compulsion, not like you're having your arm twisted, uh, for God loves a what? Cheerful giver. Now, I used to hate this first when I was a kid because maybe some of you have done this to your kids. But, you know, they're, they're not sharing or they don't want to be generous or whatever. And my dad would say, well, you know, God loves a cheerful giver. And it was so irritating. <laughs> like, like, don't you hate it when people, like, quote scripture just to get at you, you know? And, and they just, it was so irritating because I didn't want to give and now you're telling me not only am I supposed to give, I'm supposed to like it, you know? So God loves a cheerful giver. Well, it's interesting because this word in the Greek, cheerful, it comes from the Greek word hilaron, okay, hilaron. It's where we get our word hilarious from, okay? And so, so Paul says, hey, you made this commitment uh, a year ago. God was moving in your heart. You need to follow through uh, on this because God loves a, a, a cheerful giver, a, a hilarious giver. He, he, he wants to turn us into people who are like his son. And we'll talk more about that later on, all right? So just one, uh, one short verse, but two important principles. And so there in your note sheet, you have a section that's called Generosity Taking the Step. And, and what I want to do is just kind of walk you through two important principles as we move our way today towards the end of the service. We'll be having a special type of communion and kind of pr- bringing our gifts, these freedom gifts and commitments and so on that we've been praying or we'll be bringing for the Lord. So a couple principles. Number one, the first thing that jumps out to me this verse, and I think this is so important for us to understand as Christ followers, how generosity grows in our life. It's, it's really important we get this principle. It goes like this, generosity is not easy, all right? Now, it's not necessarily easy. Sometimes it's easy, but not necessarily easy. Now, now let me unpack this one just a little bit. Here's what I'm saying. Is that throughout this series, one of the things I've said multiple times, I want to drive it home, is that generosity, like any other area of growth in our spiritual life, it's always a supernatural process, right? Like this is one of the core things we we believe as a church, that if we're gonna grow and become like Jesus, it's not because we're gonna get there through our willpower or our discipline. We're gonna get there because God is supernaturally moving in our life and we're responding to his leading. Okay, there's a partnership there. And this is true in every area of our life, but it's, it's, uh, it's true in this area of generosity as well. That, that if you're going to become like Jesus in the area of generosity, it, it's going to happen because God is supernaturally working in your heart and giving you the desire to give, creating a hunger. Are you with me in this? This is how it works. Now, however, having said that, it does not mean that generosity is easy, and sometimes we mistake this. We think, well, if something is supernatural, it should be easy. And that's not necessarily the case. And you see that in the life of these Corinthians. So let's step back and let's tell the story of their life. What, what's happened? So the Apostle Paul has gone to the previous year. He has shared this message about these poor Christians in Jerusalem. And, and they're all, God begins to touch their hearts. And they've never met these people. This, this is a day, there are not cell phones. Uh, you, you can't get on Skype. You can't do video chats. They, they have never met these people. They're a thousand miles away. And yet when, when Paul shares the need of these poor Christians in Jerusalem, God touches their heart in a supernatural way. And though they've never met them and probably never will meet them, God moves their heart and they want to give to this project. Are you with me on this? They, so God's moves. It's very supernatural. And so what happens is at that time, uh, Paul says, well, let's take an offering, and they begin to give right away. God's putting in their heart, they begin to give. And on top of that, they begin to make some financial commitments about what they'll give the following year. We're going to save up our money every week, and so the next year when Paul comes for his next visit, they'll collect this money, all right? So what, what's happened now, but so, so initially God's all over this, supernaturally moving them, but now we're the next year. And now, a year later, they have begun to, lost, to lose the vision. Like, have you ever had this happen in your life? 
Like God begins to put something in your heart to do, some act of generosity, some act of service, you're fired up, you know it's from God. And he's moving you, and you're excited about it, but then as time goes on, you begin to lose the passion. It's like, well, you know, that's a lot of money, you know? Like, what can I do with that money? Oh, I don't want to give up that vacation. We planned that vacation, you know? Or, well, what if I give this money and I don't have enough for myself later on? And so we begin to have second thoughts. Well, this is exactly what was happening with them. Initially, God's in it. They're all over it. Now it's the next year. They're not sure they want to go move forward. So I want you to see this for yourself. Um, we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and, and verse uh, 10. So this is earlier in that same two chapters. So he's, um, Paul says in verse 10, and here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Now, he's just been talking to them about growing in the area of generosity. And what he's been saying is, hey, since you came to Jesus, God's been doing an amazing work in your life. And you've grown in this area, you've grown in that area, you've grown in this area, but now I think it's time to grow in this area of generosity. In fact, look at verse seven. That's where he says it. Uh, verse seven, he says, but just as you excel in everything, you know, since you've come to Christ, uh, in faith, <laughs> your faith in God, in speech, in knowledge, kind of who God is, in complete earnestness or passion, and in your love for us, you've grown in all these ways, see that you also excel in this grace of what? Giving, okay, so, so you've come to Jesus, you're Christ's followers, you're passionate about him, you're growing in all these areas, but, but now the time has come for you to grow in this area of, of, of giving. So he's gonna tell them how to grow. So in verse 10, he says, and here's my advice about what is best for you in this matter. In other words, this, this is what God wants to do. Here's how you're gonna grow. What's best for you? He said, last year, now this is when he first told them about the offering. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. So the previous year, when the Apostle Paul had shared this message of the special project, he had shared it with all of his churches, and he says, you were the very first one to jump in with both feet and begin to give. Like God just touched your heart, and right away, you began to take special offerings, and he said, and it's not just that you were the first to give, you were the first to desire to do so. God was putting this desire in your heart. He says, so, but, but of course, now it's a year later, and they've lost the vision. So verse 11, he says, so now finish the work. In other words, come through with your commitments that you made, so that your eager willingness to do it, and remember at the start of the project, may be matched by your completion of it. Now at the end, according to your means, based on how much you have to, to give, according to your income and that sort of thing, okay? And, and so, so this is what, what's happened. This is what I want you to catch. This is very typical. That, that what happens when, when God wants to grow us in an area of generosity, the first step is he puts a desire in our heart to do it. Maybe there's someone in your life group and they're going through a hard time and God puts a desire in your heart to help. Uh, there's some, some, some people that are poor, they're going through hard times, and God puts a desire in your heart. Uh, you go through a special project as a church, or it could relate to your normal, regular, systematic kind of percentage giving. God puts a desire in your heart. And so when God begins to move, you, you supernaturally, he begins to move your heart in this direction. But then what often happens as time goes on is we begin to second guess ourselves. And do we really want to do that? And this is exactly what's going to them. So this is what Paul's saying. Look at 9-7 again. Chapter 9, verse 7. Back to our core verse. In 9-7, he says, So each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. And in the Greek, this is a, the verb is in the perfect tense, which means something that you did in the past that has ongoing uh, kind of constancy towards the future, to, to, to the present time. So what he's saying is that, hey, it's time for you to pay up. It's time for you to come through on the commitments you made a year ago, okay? So, so this is what I want you to catch, that when God's on the move, he creates a desire, but it's very normal for us to go through a battle in this process at some point along the way. And when that happens, what we have to do is to go back to what the Holy Spirit told us to do. And when we follow him, then we grow. At that point, we grow. We grow through. We push through this ceiling of kind of stinginess in our life. Like if you want to become like Jesus, there's going to have to be a death to ourself somewhere along the way. And then we rise with him to be like him to the whole life. You see how that works? But let me tell you a story. About, um, I was talking a couple weeks ago, I was talking to a mom in our congregation. She's got an eight-year-old daughter, and earlier this year, 
the uh, children's ministry here was taking a special offering at Christmas time for, uh, for just kind of, you know, different, different things in the community. And, and every class could decide what they wanted to give to. And so this particular class had gone online with World Vision, and they had decided that they were going to raise money for rice and beans for poor kids around the world who don't have enough food. And so uh, this eight-year-old goes to her class, and uh, she's been saving her money for a long time. And, of course, when you're eight, you don't have a lot of money, right? Um, and so she's, she's eight years old. She's got $43 saved up. And, uh, and so pretty impressive for an eight-year-old. So she's been saving her chore money. She's been saving her birthday money. Oh, whatever. She's got $43 saved up. And so she's saving for a guitar. And her parents have told her that if, you will, if you'll save the first $100, then um, we will buy you the guitar. We'll pay for the rest. So she's been saving for a long time. She got $43. So she goes to church that day. She hears about this special offering for these poor children who don't have enough to eat to buy rice and beans. And God just touches her heart. And so she comes home that day and she tells her mom, remember eight years old, tells her mom, I want to give all my money to help feed these poor children. Okay, so her mom is obviously is touched by this, by her generosity, how God's moving on her daughter's heart. And, and it's a big sacrifice, but she knows that she needs to let her do this. You know, this is what God does in our hearts. So, so the next week, it's, it's time to bring the offering. Sunday comes, time to go to church. And her daughter comes out, and she's got kind of a funny look on her face. And she said, um, I've changed my mind <laughs> about how much money I'm going to give. She said, oh, really? Yeah, she said, I've decided I'm going to give $20, not my all $43. And so, of course, now $20 is a huge gift, isn't it? I mean, you know, that's half your net worth when you're eight years old. <laughs> so, so, she, you know, she's got, so it's a huge gift, but the mom is wise enough to sense what's going on. She, she, she's sensing this in her eight-year-old. God had put in her heart what to do. She was ready to give. Now she's having second. She's doing the Corinthian thing, Right? She's doing the Corinthian thing. And so the mom says, she's, kind of, she's a smart mom, she says, um, well, that's great. Whatever you want to give to God is, is fine. That's up to you. But why don't you just go and check in with Jesus and pray and just kind of make sure that this is what he wants you to do. And so her daughter goes away and prays for me and she comes back and she says, I'm, suppo- I'm supposed to give the whole thing. <laughs> and, and so she takes up her piggy bag. She got the whole $43 just wad, you know. And she, she takes it in, however she does, takes it to church, and she, she gives it for these, these poor kids. Now, so now that night, it's Sunday night now, and, and all of a sudden, uh, the mother hears some crying coming from upstairs. And so she, she goes upstairs, and here's her eight-year-old daughter sitting on her bed just crying. And she says, honey, why are you crying? And she said, because um, I have to start all over again. You know, I really want that guitar, and I just have to start all over. I don't, I don't have any money now. It took me a long time to get there, and I'm, I'm just sad over that. And, uh, and, her, her, and so her mom said, well, do you wish that you hadn't give, given all the money? She said, oh, no. I'm glad I gave the money. I'm just sad that I start all over again. <laughs> and when I heard that story, I thought, man, that is exactly how life and generosity works. You know, you know, sometimes we think that, hey, if it's of God, there will never be a cost. Can I tell you something? If, it, if it's of God, there will be a cost, right? And, and there will be times where we second-guess ourselves. There will be times where, like, we, should I really do that? You know, do I really want to give that much or whatever, you see? But here's what I want you to catch. This is exactly how generosity grows. The first step is that God puts something in our heart. God creates a desire to give. It is supernatural. We want to be a part of what Jesus is about, and we want to give, you see? And there's a super, and so he gives us the number, or he gives us, this is how to serve, or this is where you need to go, or this is what we need to do. And God gives it to us. And so, so that's the supernatural part. But, but then the human part comes up, the fallen part. And it often comes up, and it's like, you know, the part of us that we were born with, it's kind of, kind of selfish part, the part that we're going to hold on to everything. It's not about others, it's about, all about us. That part comes up, that fallen nature, and we begin to debate, and we begin to struggle, and we begin to, and here's what happens. As we go through that struggle, we need someone in our life to come back like the Apostle Paul did the Corinthians, or like the mom did for this daughter, and say, hey, hey, just go to God. Just go to God, give yourself to God, and ask him again for clarity. And let the Holy Spirit take you back to what you originally committed, what he originally put in your heart. 
you see? And then when we die the death, and then when we surrender at that level, as we die to our old life, what happens is we rise with Jesus to be like him, you see? And this is how generosity grows. So it's not always easy. Just because it's supernatural doesn't mean it's easy. Now, number two, there's a second principle that jumps out. <coughs> and it goes like this. That, you know, generosity, it's, it's not always easy, but it always leads to joy. Generosity leads to joy. There's what, when you... Um, when you study the Bible, you watch what God does in the life of people, that when God's on the move, when he's waking people up, when he's calling them to himself, when they're responding, when they're pursuing God, and then when he begins to talk about generosity, and when they listen to his spirit, and when they give as he leads them, it always leads to joy. It's like a whole new level of, of life. And this is kind of something you see throughout this, this passage, but look at um, 2 Corinthians 9-7 again. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, um, Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a what? Cheerful. A cheerful giver. So in Paul's mind, that, that this is what we're after. That, that what we're after in this process is not just the gift. We're, we're after becoming a different kind of person. That God is after us to change us and to shape us and make us like his son. Now, one of the things we've learned in this series is that Jesus is the ultimate model of generosity. He was the one who, though he was rich, kind of lived in the greatest gated community, he became poor so that we, through his poverty, become rich. He he decreased his standard of living to increase ours. Okay, that's what he did. And so he's become the model. Now, Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing about Jesus is when you study the life of Jesus, you find that Jesus is wired very differently than we're naturally wired, okay? When we come to Jesus, he begins to rewire us. But, but, when we, but Jesus, that his greatest joy in life is in giving. See, this is the way he is. That, that Jesus, he's kind of wired, he's, he's wired to, to love, to give, to share, and that is his joy. That, that's why he came after us. It was because of this amazing love that had to give that, that this is why he came. In fact, there's a, there's a uh, fascinating statement in uh, Acts chapter 20. It's on your note sheet. Uh, it's a saying of Jesus. What's fascinating about this saying is that it's, it's a saying that we only know about through the book of Acts. Like normally you think of the teaching of Jesus you think of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. But here, the Apostle Paul quotes Jesus saying something that we have no other record of him saying anywhere else. And so this was a, uh, a saying of Jesus that, that he knew about that we don't. And so what he says there, he says that in Acts chapter 20, he says, as Jesus himself said, the Lord Jesus himself said, uh, it is more blessed, kind of it's better to give than to receive, Okay? Now, now, I understand that makes incredible wall plaques for Christian bookstores, but really, seriously, can, can we buy into that, you know? Like, I'm not asking for a show of hands. Hey, but when you were growing up and it was Christmas and you were a kid, were you more excited about what you were getting or what you were giving, right? Probably, probably most of the time, uh, it was about what you were getting. That's how we're wired as human beings, that that as human beings, when we come into this world, what we truly believe is it's better to receive than it is to give, you see? And the process of following Jesus, he's gonna be trying to rework that in our mind. He's gonna be trying to change us to where it's our greatest joy in life to give, and it's a process. It's a growth process, and it happens kind of step by step. You stop and think about this. Um, Like I remember when I was a kid, that, you know, it's probably like, like most of you that, you know, it was all about, it's primarily about what you get on Christmas. Right? Now, there's sometimes some exceptions. I remember, I was remembering this the last service. It wasn't in my notes, which is always dangerous. But I, I was remembering when I was uh, like, what, eight, ten years old or whatever, probably eight years old, I'm guessing, that I, I bought my mom, I spent all my money that I'd saved up, and I bought my mom a hair dryer. Now, this is back in the days when you had hair dryers, right? So it's back in the 1800s. Uh, but I still remember it was this long kind of tube thing and this, this hose came out of the end of it and then there was this big like fluffy thing that went over your head and you put it on there and you turned it on. Like it's the day before blow dryers, 
you know? And so I remember, my, I, mean, I was just so excited about getting this, this was a huge gift for this eight-year-old to get. I was so, but I think most of our lives are not like that. Like, for example, like, let's say, let me just kind of test you on this, all right? I'm not, again, no show of hands, okay? just going to test you. Let's say that I told you that I have the winning uh, ticket for the lottery in my pocket right now, okay? Now, your first question would probably be, like, how'd you get it? But I'm not going to answer that. But let's just say that, that I've got the winning ticket. I looked it up this week. The mega lottery is right now, at least on Thursday, at $33 million, all right? So, let's say I've got the ticket. And I come to you, and I, and I give you a, a, a choice. I'm, I'm going to offer, I'm, gonna, I'm willing to give you this ticket, but before I give it to you, you have to do one of two things. You either have to keep all of it or give it all away. Okay? That's the only choice. Now, now, I know what you're all saying. You're all saying, oh, no, I don't want to do that. I want to keep most of it, and I want to be generous and give a lot of it away. Right? That's what you're all thinking right now. But I'm not giving you that option. What I'm saying is, no, I, I'm going to give you this ticket, and you can either keep it all, or you can give it all away, but you have to do one or the other. And the question is, which would you do? <laughs> uh, maybe I should do the show ahead. No, I just won't. But I don't know about you. That would be a very hard choice for me, because everything within me would say, keep it, Right? And so Jesus comes along, he says, no, trust me in this, it is better to give than it is to receive. Now, we, we have a choice to make. We can either decide that Jesus is just kind of blowing religious smoke and saying the kind of things that Jesus is supposed to be saying so that we can put them on Christian cups and sell them in Christian bookstores, or he's telling us the truth about life and that he's the smartest mind in the whole universe. And then he's telling you, hey, if you want more joy in life, trust me in this. You need to grow in your generosity, you see? And so, so in this passage, what we have is that generosity leads to joy. Now, this is exactly what we see in, in this, you know, Paul's saying be a hilarious giver, and it's exactly what we see happening. In fact, look, take your Bibles and look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1. This is how the passage starts. I don't know if you remember this. But Paul's writing to challenge him to start giving. And what he does, he starts by telling him the story of these, uh, these Christ followers to the north of them in the province of Macedonia. And these people are going through an extremely difficult time in their life. They're going through perhaps persecution. They're going through severe economic depression, not recession, but depression. Uh, they're very poor. And yet God has supernaturally worked in their hearts and, and created this passion to give. Okay, and so Paul is telling him this story as kind of a model for them to follow. And so he says in verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 1, he says, And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given. Remember, grace means supernatural power in this context. About the, the, the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches, the churches of the north. Out of their most severe trial, their overflowing what? Joy. Catch that. Their overflowing joy and their extreme Poverty welled up in rich what? Generosity, okay? So let's, Paul's putting together some things, some words we don't normally associate go together. Like he's putting together words like, um, like severe trial and extreme poverty. And he's coupling that with rich generosity and overflowing joy. Now, that's not how it normally works, right? Like if someone is going through time of extreme hardship and severe poverty, you don't normally associate overflowing joy and rich generosity, do you? Those, those things don't go together. But, but Paul says, this is what, that's why it's a God thing. Like God is on the move in these people's life. And so he is working supernaturally. So what's happening is that in spite of their severe poverty, and the extreme hard times they're going through, God is on the move, and the end result is overflowing joy and rich generosity. And so this is what you see throughout the Bible. You see this connection when God's on the move, and you see uh, people following and pursuing, and he begins to release generosity, the end result is joy. 
It's freedom. It's becoming like Jesus. It's becoming the people that we were made to be. People that don't live to get. People that live to, to give. That live life on a whole different lane. They become a plane. They, they become more like, like him. And it's what you see over and over again. Look what he says next. He says, so here's how it looks in their life. Verse 3. So, uh, for, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for this privilege of sharing in the service of the saints, and they did not do as we expected, and here was the key, but they gave themselves first to the Lord. Jesus, all we have, all we own belongs to you. And he says, and then secondly, they gave, us, and gave themselves to us, to this project for the poor. They gave themselves to us in keeping with God's will, and the end result is joy. And so, so this is what you see all through the Bible, this connection between pursuing God releasing generosity and joy, living life at a whole new level. So uh, we've seen it here with the Macedonians. You see him challenging the Corinthians about this. But one of, one of the places you see it in the Old Testament is in the story we started the day with. And so I want to go back to that story. Remember you got that 25-year-old leader comes to the throne. His dad's led the nation into spiritual darkness for 16 years, but God has got to hold this kid's life. And he's a 25-year-old kid, just graduated from college, whatever. And, and he is, this is his first job, you know, lead the nation. And, and so he rises to the throne, and man, he takes off. And he unleashes a movement. And, and he opens the door of the, the temple. He breaks the padlocks. He calls the workmen in. Let's clean this place up. Let's get the sacrifices going. He sends out the, the email to all the priests and, and Levites. Hey, you need to get back in town. It's time. Game's on. We're pursuing God as a nation. The dark time is over. They're flowing back in. They're getting everything organized. A month into it, he, he sends messengers throughout the whole land. Hey, come back. We're going to celebrate the Passover. Month two comes. The nation comes. I mean, there's a spiritual revival going on. They are, they're pursuing God. They're ready to get rid of their idols. They're, 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 they're growing like crazy. They're having such a great time. They spend two weeks there instead of the one. And there's just this atmosphere of joy. And in the midst of that, in the midst of that, he knows, his name is Hezekiah. Hezekiah knows that in order for this movement to last, we've got to fund it. Spirit, uh, financially. We've got to do what God said in the Old Testament. We've got to give the tithes, the 10%, the percentage giving to fund this movement. And so he goes before the people and he challenges them. He gives the commands. They haven't given like this in 15 years at least, you know, while Ahaz was, was king, his, his father. They haven't given like this in years. He says, hey, it's time. If we're serious about pursuing God, if we're, if we're serious about unleashing a movement, it's time to give. Bring the tithes. Do what God has said. And so the question is, how will the nation respond? You know, now the rubber meets the road. Now it's hitting the checkbook. So how does the nation respond? And what happens is God moves in a powerful way, and they begin to give generously, and the end result is joy. We're going to see it again. And so there in your note sheet, I put just a couple excerpts from 2 Chronicles chapter 31 and verse 5. And so as soon as the order went out, so as soon as Hezekiah sends the order out, bring in the tithes, the Israelites, they generously gave. Notice that. That word generously, they generously gave the first fruits of their, their grain, their new wine, their oil, their honey, and all the fields produced. And so they just began to bring in the tithe. So they brought in a great amount, a tithe, 10% of everything. And so the men of Israel and Judah who lived in the towns of Judah, they also brought a tithe of their herds and their flocks and a tithe of the holy things dedicated to the Lord their God. And they piled them in heaps. So they just start, there's so much stuff coming, they don't know what to do with it. They start piling it up in these huge piles. And so they began doing this in the third month and they finished in when? The seventh month. This is a four-month kind of fundraising uh, drive going on. They're just bringing this stuff in. And so when Hezekiah and the officials came and they saw these heaps, they praised the Lord and they blessed the people. Now why? They're praising God because he's on the move in the nation. And it's so obvious as they're touching the financial hearts that God's on the move. And so they're praising God for what he's doing, but they're also blessing the people. They're saying, way to go. You're pursuing God in your life. And so then Hezekiah asked the priests and the Levites about the heaps, and Azariah, the chief priest, answered, since the people began to bring their contributions to the temple of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and plenty to spare because the Lord has blessed his people. So they're, they're beginning to give, and God's blessing them now as a nation. 
and, and this great amount is left over. And so Hezekiah, he gives orders to prepare storerooms in the temple of the Lord, and this was done. And so they, they had so much stuff, it's like, we gotta create a, a place to hold this. We need a new bank. And so they faithfully brought in the contributions, the tithes, and the dedicated gifts. Now, as you're, you're reading these three chapters, 2 Chronicles 29, 30, and 31, well, they're, they're telling this story. The pervasive tone of these three chapters, I'm telling you, is joy. It's like the people are coming alive. They are reconnecting with God spiritually. There is an awakening happening in their nation. And they are passionate about this God and they're pursuing him. And the, the prevailing tone is joy. In fact, according to the Chronicles, that, that when they made that decision to spend that extra week there for the, the Passover, this is how they describe it. Look at the next verse. There was great what? Joy in Jerusalem, for since the days of Solomon, the uh, son of David, king of Israel, that was like over 200 years before this, two to 300 years before this. He said, since the days, in the last two or 300 years, there had been nothing like this in Jerusalem. I mean, God is on the move, you see? And, and as they pursue him and they follow his lead, God is releasing joy in their, in their life. And this is what you see in the Bible, that, that this generosity as God leads when we're following the lead of his spirit, it always leads to new levels of joy and freedom in our life. Now, for the last three weeks, we've been on this journey as a church. And, and so three weeks ago, I came to you four weeks ago, I shared, here's where we're at, here's the crisis. I told you what we're gonna do is that we're gonna spend the next three weeks just talking about this topic of generosity. What does it look like to be a follower of Jesus? And I told you at the end of that time, we would come back then and then we would make our gifts you know, to meet this crisis. And so if you were here last week, you know that's exactly what we did. We, we went through those first three weeks. I gave you a card. I asked you to go home and to do exactly what the Macedonian Christians did. I asked you to go home and to present yourself to God and to say, God, all I am, all I have belongs to you. Now, of these resources that I'm managing, what do you want me to give to help meet this need? And so I trust that you've done that. It's been a week of prayer. It's been a week of listening. It's been a week of obedience. Maybe there's been a battle, like with the Corinthians, but it's been a week of obedience. And so, so what we're gonna be doing now in just a few minutes is we're gonna be celebrating what God has done. We're gonna be, we're gonna be collecting these gifts. We're gonna collect these offerings, collecting these commitments. And what I need to do is I need to just take about five minutes and just go over logistics of that and what we're gonna do, and then we're gonna go right back into worship and prayer and communion and just a time of giving ourselves to the Lord. It's gonna be a very special time. But to help me do this, inside your program, uh, you have this uh, freedom gift card, uh, the Growing in Generosity card. And some of you, I'm sure, have already filled it out. You took it home, you used it. But in case you forgot it or you weren't here last week or whatever, we put another one there for your convenience. Also, put a, uh, a second offering envelope if you want to use that to put your, th this commitment in when the time comes. Um, but let me just walk you through. First of all, let me say this. If you're here today and you're, you're a visitor at Rocky Peak, I just want to be really clear for you. This is not for you. This is, a, you're our guest, and we just want you to enjoy this time of worship and communion, and uh, th this is really for those of us who call Rocky Peak home, and God's called us here. We love this place. We love what God's doing. We're passionate about unleashing a movement, and so if you're just visiting, uh, great, just enjoy the time. Don't want you to feel any obligation. So let's look at the Freedom Gift side. The Freedom Gift side is the side we're making our commitments to make this special kind of one-time gift to meet this current crisis we're facing, the loss of our credit line, the $500,000 need, all right? And so on this side is where you put, on that top line, you put the total gift amount of what you feel God's calling you to give. And then below that, you explain how you're going to be making that gift. And if you're making it all today, that's great. That's sooner the better. And you can, uh, you can just fill in, you put in the whole amount on that July 31st, August 1st line. Here's the gift. I'm making it today. But you may need some more time to raise that money, to sell some things, to uh, save some money, whatever. And, and if that's the case, just tell us how that, how that gift's going to go. Now, let me make one thing really clear. Notice it says above, at the top, it says above and beyond gift. So I just want to make it really clear. What we're giving on this side is this is, this is over and above our normal giving. Like it won't help us as a church if we just accelerate our giving. We give what we would have given in October, November. We'll just give it early. That's not what we're doing. This is over and above, okay? Now, the second side is growing in generosity. The other thing I ask you to pray about as a church is just go before God in this area of your regular, systematic percentage giving and to ask him, does he want you to increase that? And if you pray, you feel like he does, 
then you would put your increase in that top line. So if you've been giving $100 a week and you feel like he's calling you to go to $150, uh, that would be an increase of $50. And you put $50 there and you check the weekly box. If you've been giving $1,000 a month and you feel like he's calling you to $1,200, you put an increase of $200, check the monthly box, okay? Now, the one thing I would ask is that when you make in the future what we're calling these freedom gifts to the special fund, the $500,000, it would be very helpful to us if always in the memo, um, uh, of your, of your uh, check, you would write how much of it's the freedom fund. So we can track this as we go along. Also, um, if you go online to give, the, one of the options is freedom gift on there. Now, you can, we've created that option for you to give, all right? So that's what we're going to do. The, the, there's the logistics. So let me tell you what's going to happen now. What's going to happen? We're going to go into a time of worship, a time of prayer, and a time of communion. And so what's, what's going to happen is in just a moment, we're going to stand uh, and we're going to go into just one worship song. We kind of give ourselves to God. Um, after that, I will come up. I'll prepare us for our time of communion. During the time of communion, we'll go to the tables like we normally do. But you'll notice that around the room, there's some smaller tables. On those smaller tables, their taller tables, are a large brown basket. That's where you will drop in your freedom gift, the special gift that, for the fund. Uh, or, and your commitment cards. You'll drop them in there, okay? At the end of the service today, we will take our regular offering as normal, okay? So we're actually having two different opportunities to give today. Uh, if you only have one check, you can just kind of tell me in the memo what you're doing and so we can, we can uh, check it out, all right? And so um, what we're gonna go do now is uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna go into this time of worship. We're gonna go into time of prayer, time of communion and seeking God. Would you stand with me? We're on a journey together as a church, and uh, the last three weeks we've studied God's word. We've, we've explored what it means to be a passionate Christ father in area of generosity. We've talked about this. It's not the amount of the gift. It's the obedience, right? It, it's, it's listening to what God's saying and then responding in obedience, whether it's a lot or a little or in between. And so today as a church, we're coming to Jesus, and we're going we're gonna to give him back. After this time of worship, we're going to be moving into a time of communion. And of course, in communion, we celebrate Jesus as the ultimate gift God has given to us. That through his life and his death and his resurrection, we've been given new life. We've been given the forgiveness of sins. We've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit who changes us from the inside out to be the men and women that we're created to be. It's through the death of Jesus that we have the next life that we are no longer under the wrath of God. We're no longer under judgment. That all sins, past, present, and future, have been covered by the blood of Christ. He is the ultimate gift. At the end of 2 Corinthians 9, the Apostle Paul ends this passage on giving, saying, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And so during this time, when, we go, when it comes time for communion, we will be going to celebrate the gift God has given to us. We'll be making our gifts back to him. As the Apostle Paul says earlier in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he died for us so that we might live for him. And so during that time of communion, when you go forward when that time comes, feel free to go to the front, go to the side. When that time comes, the band will be playing quietly for a couple minutes just to give us some reflection time. I'm asking you to give yourself to God. Um, and then to do as he leads. Uh, let it be a moment of connection with him. Feel free to be around the edges of the room, to come to the front, to the altar. Let's just have a moment with him as a church. We worship him and give him all that we are and all that we have. Let me pray, and then we'll go into worship. And then after this worship song, I'll come back and lead us into communion. Father, we come in the name of Jesus, the one who is the indescribable gift. We stand as a church of worshipers. We stand as a church of men and women who have been transformed and changed by the power of Jesus Christ. We love you. We want to know you. We want to please you more than anything else. This week, God, we have come before you as a church. We have presented ourselves. We've given ourselves first to you. We're preparing ourselves to give ourselves back now as you've asked us. And so, God, we pray with arms wide open we come. We give you all that we are and all that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. That is the prayer of our heart that you would have your way. This month, you've led us into a crisis. Uh, it's been a time of wilderness. It's a time of wondering where the manna will come from. Where will the water from the rock come from? 
And God, as a church, I believe this with all my heart, that you've drawn us in to take us deeper. That, that as your church, that it was our time. It was our time to begin to grow in this grace of giving as it was to the Corinthians. And that, and that through this journey, God, we've given you our lives in new ways. We've surrendered our finances. That we've said that the money will not be our God, that Jesus will be our God. And that all that we have and all we we own belong to him and we will give as he leads. And, and so God, you begin to release a new spirit in our congregation. We're moving to new levels in our relationship with you as we've surrendered this area. And so God, we pray that you'd receive these gifts as our response to your leading in our life, our thanksgiving to you for all that you've given to us. And Lord, we come now, we celebrate the greatest gift of all that you've given to us, the gift of your son, the gift of new life, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of your spirit, the gift of the next life through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so, Lord, we, we come to the communion tables now to receive your gift. We bring with us our gifts and our commitments as you've led us and called us to do. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. We shout forth your praise. It's just a desire of our heart, God, that you would release a movement, unleash a movement of passionate Christ followers here that would touch these valleys that we serve, God, that it would reach around the world in places where you send us. God, it's all about you. You are the creator of all things. All things were made by you. All things were made for you. And God, we just wanna be at the forefront of that movement that is singing your praise and, and calling for your recognition, the one that you deserve. So God, we pray that you continue to work in our church. You'd continue to lead us. You'd continue to unleash a true movement of passionate Christ followers who more than anything else in life want to know you and love you and please you. And God, we pray that you continue to release in our hearts a heart of generosity that we'd love your people, that we'd love one another, that we'd love the poor, that we'd love your kingdom, and that all we have and all we are would be at your disposal for that purpose. But God, we pray you'd be with us as we continue to move forward in your name as a church. And it truly is with everything. It's for you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. 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 May the Lord be with you this week. Next week, uh, we're looking forward to a great week of celebration. And so the service next week, I'll be sharing with you what God has called us to do, how we responded as a church, and we'll be sharing all that. And it'll just be a, a great weekend of uh, growth together on this journey. And we wanted to celebrate in some special way, so we felt like it wasn't really appropriate to celebrate the Feast of Passover like Hezekiah because it's not that time of the year. But uh, we will be having a barbecue after the service next week, and so I hope you can be there as we continue this journey growing together, releasing that information to you, celebrating together all weekend. God bless. I'll see you next weekend. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For Lead Pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, Thanks for listening.